We've been having some, there it comes. We've been having some technical difficulties, so I'm sitting my little box right here and, and trying not to touch it. So I'm going to try to be still this morning. So if I'm grabbing a hold of it, I'm just trying not to move. <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy for me. Galatians chapter 4. Take a little bit of a break, but not much of a break. We're still going to stay in Galatians. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5 this morning. And quite honestly this morning, probably not going to teach you anything new. I'm not going to teach you anything that we haven't already just been singing. But we're going to roll around in the good this morning for Christmas. And we're going to use this text to start. And then we're just going to go through Scripture. I want to just celebrate something with you. If you've got your, your info guide, pull that out and look at it with me. So at this campus... Our Lottie Moon offering last week and one Sunday was $11,459 for something to celebrate. Um, that goes directly to, to the mission field. And of all of our campus, as of last Sunday, we have given through the Parkwood $257,000 that goes directly to Lottie Moon. That's something to celebrate. And, and we're not done. We still give to that offering. And so I want to... Thank the Lord for that. God, God always provides to his people. Galatians 4, beginning at verse 4. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5. Stand with me in honor of God's word. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive Adoption of sons. So Lord, this Christmas Eve, we have gathered to remember the whole work of your atonement. That you entered time and space in all your fullness through your Son, so, Lord, allow us just to rejoice in your word with your people for your glory this day. Comfort those who need to be comforted. Encourage those who need to be encouraged, Lord, not with just some kind of emotional sensationalism, but with the power of your spirit as we look at your word. For this is how you work, Lord, and we now trust in faith that you will give us what we long for, more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. So at Christmas, we, we, we generally celebrate and we, we hone in on one aspect of our redemption, the incarnation. You heard from Spurgeon a little bit ago as he was saying, I'm sitting there going, how do you follow up Spurgeon? They call him the Prince of Preachers. And if you ever read any of his sermons or listened to him, it's just a, that's why they called him that. He has a way with words. But C.S. Lewis called the incarnation the central miracle. It is what every miracle points towards or springs from, the incarnation. But this morning, let's just think about why. As the text says, we're going to hone in on this one word, fullness. Why then, why was this the fullness of time? 
Why this specific moment? Is it just random? Fullness. It's used in Scripture. This is amazing. If you ever study your Bible looking at words or I don't know how you generally go about studying Scripture. Fullness is used in Scripture 330 times. It's amazing as I thought about this message how we go about describing all that belongs to God's children that the Holy Spirit gives us. This word comes up over and over in Scripture. And in our minds, as we try to create a picture and talk about the different ways fullness comes in to our lives and into this world, remember Mark 8.20, Jesus had fed the multitude. He's done this twice. And you remember after it was over what happened? He told the disciples to get baskets and to go. And it said they filled up the baskets. This is the picture of this fullness. Of something being filled up to the, to the brim. Full. Complete. We could spend all service talking about how the prophecies were all fulfilled. God stepped into time and space. And when he came, he brought something. He brought his fullness so I just wanted to look at just some obvious things this morning. Seven of them, because you know seven's a good number. It could be 20. But I wanted to have a short sermon today, so we're doing seven. Seven obvious, but they are breathtaking realities of the fullness of God that has been revealed through Christ and through Christ alone. This has been sort of our running theme. It's Paul's theme, this word alone. So Christ came in the fullness of time. Look at verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come. So turn with me. You may want to mark Galatians. We're going to flip around a lot. Look back with me to, uh, or flip forward to Ephesians. Ephesians 1, verse 7. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Look at verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in the heaven and things on earth. I want us to see first in this first aspect of his fullness. There was an intentional plan. You see the word in verse 10, you see the word plan? You know what that means? It could, it could mean in management of a household. Or even more generally, it means administration. Did you know that there was a time when the triune God sat down and administered a plan? A plan of our redemption. When did this happen? Well, look back up with me. The verse 4, it tells us. It says, even as he chose us in him, when? Before the foundation of the world. That's when the plan happened. It is no accident this morning that you were in Christ. Something to celebrate right there. There was an intentional plan in the fullness of time. But there's also an intentionality in the timing. It was the right time religiously. You see, Rome had brought things, brought the world to a new low. The Jewish people's hunger for their Messiah could not have been higher. Not only that, but the pagan world with all their plethora of gods. Because you know when everything is God, nothing is. 
And so their spiritual hunger was at an all-time high, even in the pagan world. The timing was perfect religiously. It was also perfect culturally. For God had ordained a pagan to turn all the language to Greek so that the gospel now could go forth in a common language, one that the common people could easily understand. It was the right time politically because Rome had conquered the world. What did they build? Roads. Common language. Roads now where you could connect the worlds together, all designed. You see, God does not wait on history. He designs it. He plans this. Good news this morning for your present and your tomorrow. That God plans this. And it unfolded just according to the right time, according to His plan. And listen, think with me this morning. If it's true that from the foundation of the world to the incarnation, that God planned it and He unfolded it just in His right timetable, now take from the incarnation to Christ's promised return. Is it not planned? Can we not live for today and for tomorrow knowing that just like our God planned this, He plans one day to come again. And it will come in the fullness of His time. This is what God has done. It is perfect. A perfect plan at a perfect time. And He entered this world in the fullness of His deity. Turn with me to John 1. In verse 4, as you turn to John 1, it says, God sent forth His Son. And now John 1 helps us, tells us about his son. John 1, 1. We know this well, don't we? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, speaking of Christ, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light. Of men. He entered into time and space. And he displayed his deity in the fullness on earth. Look at the text. Eternal with the Father. One in intimacy. One in purpose with the Father. The very word Christ that spoke creation into being now enters into time and space. The fullness of God on earth. Quote, listen to this. Telling people about the incarnation is telling them that Jesus Christ is not only the content and meaning of salvation, but also the content and meaning of reality. Given that in Him the reality of God entered into the reality of our human existence. He displayed it in His fullness on earth. And listen, this is both something that we ought to be able to roll around in the mystery this morning. He displayed it in the fullness in us. Texts are on the screen if you want to just look at them. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That's clear, isn't it? Look at verse 10. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all authority. Rule and authority. We are fully redeemed so that we might be fully indwelt. It's good this morning. Colossians 1.27 To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What is the mystery? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ entered time and space and filled this earth 
And at the same time, he filled you. He came in the fullness of his deity at the perfect time. And he came in the fullness of humanity. Number three. Galatians 4.4 4 said he was born of a woman. God. You see why C.S. Lewis calls it the central miracle? Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7. It says, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So Christ took unto himself a lesser nature but a fuller one. It was humanity. And this human nature, look at verse 7, interesting. You see that word servant in your Bibles? That's actually the word doulos in the Greek. That means slave. By taking on the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. Oh, both humble you and set you free this morning. This is what Christ did. He was born under the law. You see in Galatians 4, born under the law. Why? Because he had to be fully human to live a perfectly human, obedient life. Christ lived the law. Remember, this is the point of Galatians. If you haven't been normally with us, look, listen to us online or come and join into our study through Galatians. We've been talking about the law. We've been talking that the law does not save. It wasn't designed to save. It was designed to reveal sin. And that's what it does. And so Christ came, born under the law, to live perfectly. Why? Galatians 4 verse 5 tells us to redeem us. You ever heard someone say, usually it's, it's at the end of someone's life, or maybe even after they have passed away, they say, he lived a full life. She lived a full life. What do we usually mean by that? Usually they lived a long time. Think about that word. Maybe from now on. As your own life, as you are not promised tomorrow. If God takes you or someone you love tomorrow, he has done you no wrong. The question is, will you live a full life? You see, Jesus died at age 33, yet there was no one who lived a more full, complete, filled to the capacity to do what God has designed him to do other than him. You see, it really is about quality and not quantity. In God's economy, Christ lived a full, obedient life to redeem us. So this plan happened in the fullness of time. Christ came and displayed God in the flesh. Fully God, fully man. But he brought something with him. Number four, he brought the fullness of grace. Notice we're spending a lot of time in John John 1, back to John 1, look at verse 14. Notice the deity in humanity here. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son of the father. There's our word, you see it? Full. Full of grace and truth. Isn't it amazing? That this full life was spent mostly with only 12 men. He said, we saw his glory. He was a man, and yet he was from the Father. 
and he was full of something. He gave it to us, grace and truth. Look at verse 16. There's our word again. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. What does that grace look like? Well, turn back with me to Galatians 4, verse 5. Verse 5 says to redeem those. That he came, he entered into time and space. To redeem those who are under the law. So that we might receive adoption as sons. I just want us to think about this fullness of grace. What does that look like for you this Christmas Eve? Isn't as parents, this is what we pray for? Our children would experience the fullness of his grace. What is that? It's fullness of his forgiveness. You see, he came to redeem those who were under the law. And if you read the first part of Galatians, you know, he said he, that the law has put a curse on us because we don't keep God's perfect standards. We don't display his character perfectly. Therefore, we are under the curse. He purchased for us a fullness of our forgiveness. Therefore, there is a fullness of our redemption. There's a completeness. That is our, in our right legal standing. Did you know before Christ you had legal issues before a holy God? Christ redeemed you from that. Completely. Full pardon. No one has a right to throw your sin of your yesterday in your face once God Almighty has forgiven it. He has forgiven us. He has redeemed us. I think some of our folks are traveling. I was trying to see. Is, is Brent here? I know the Kirkmans are traveling. We've got, we got two families right now who are adopting. There he is. And uh, I thought about this this week because we've We've been through the process. The way this works in adoption is you've got a lot of paperwork you start doing, and then they send you a picture. It's called your referral. It's a, it's a powerful moment. You just have to go through it to really experience it. And then the child is your child, but yet they're on the other side of the world. And you see, there's a longing the fullness of their adoption. It is when that child comes home to their forever family. You see, this is what verse 5 is saying. The fullness of His grace brings the fullness of our relationship with God that is true now and we ain't seen nothing yet. Because there's a fullness coming. Listen to me this morning, this Christmas day. I don't know what you've been told. But Jesus Christ didn't just come to earth to forgive your debts. He just didn't do that. He just didn't come to earth to get rid of our legal trouble. And He definitely didn't come to earth just to keep you out of hell. He came to earth to bring you to God. That's why He's here. This is why in 1854 the message has not changed. He came to be God with us. To unite all things under the authority of His Son. And we are now in the family. This must bring number five. must bring joy. John 15, 11. It says, These things have I spoken to you. That my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. See, that's our word again. That's His desire for you. Joy. It's deeper than happiness. Something God gives. The fullness of Christ invaded time and space and indwelt His children. 
and all that He indwells, all that He redeems, He desires and He makes a plan to produce in us a fullness of joy. Full, the full obedience of Christ brought to us the fullness of grace. That fullness of obedience caused suffering. So how do we experience? You say, he says that, that Christ is in me and the reality is I don't always feel that joy. John tells us that fully abiding produces fullness of joy. See, God's word is not given to you as a drudgery. God's word's not given to us to cut out our good time. And there are many of people who would stand up and testify to some kind of simple principle like never date a non-believer. Seems like cutting out your good time. But what he was put there to is that your joy may be full. God's word is given to us and every spirit-filled believer must know this, that the do's and don'ts in God's word are gifts of His grace meant to increase our joy, never to diminish it. That's why we walk by faith. We trust it. It's true. This is what it produces, whether I can see it or not. All of this fullness to those who are redeemed. Because Christ is our redemption. It was fully accomplished for us. It's finished. There's no more work to be done to make you acceptable before God. The work has been accomplished do you remember that moment? John 19. John 19 verse 30. Do you remember Christ is on the tree? He's on the tree. And he receives the sour wine. to remember to fulfill prophecy. And then he says what? It's finished. Now what that word is a different word. But you know what it means? It means complete. It means it is accomplished. And language is so powerful. This is why God ordained the Greek. Perfect tense, passive, passive voice, it's indicative, statement of fact. The work that was accomplished at a time and space is producing something in you right now. On the tree, this was God's passive obedience. He stood in your place. He took your punishment. God's plan was fulfilled perfectly. Listen to this by Timothy Keller. There has never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God could save us. That means that you are not somebody who can pull yourself up and live a moral good life. We must be redeemed. I want you to understand this morning that according to God's word, that the plan of redemption was effectual. What does that mean? Listen. It means that God's plan of redemption actually accomplished exactly what God intended it to accomplish. Do you remember verse 4 in Ephesians 1? God chose you before the foundation of the world. So on that tree, your redemption was fully accomplished. He did not die for possibilities. He died for you. This is good news this Christmas day. John 6, 37 says, And all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, listen to this promise, I will never cast out. It's good news this Christmas day that we've been brought into the family 
by adoption. And our daddy never loses any of his kids. And he never casts them out. In the fullness of time, Christ came in the fullness of God and man. And brought with him the fullness of his grace by redeeming those that were under a curse of sin. He displayed this fullness on, of that grace on the cross. And listen, this, is, this and this only is what brings fullness of joy. It is in this grace that we live. It is in this grace that we believe and are saved. And it is, it is by this grace that produces in us an unquenchable joy. And today, number seven, is true. That we might live today in the fullness of hope. 1 Peter 1.21 says, Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Why? So that your faith and your hope are in God. And we could say, and not in yourself. Your hope, your security, your confidence, your joy doesn't depend on you. Your trust is not in yourself. Your trust is in your Lord who purchased your redemption, who adopted you into the family and has given you precious promises. This is, you see, there is still yet this Christmas day a fullness of our redemption. For now, we have not escaped the complete presence of sin. Not in, their, in, this, in our lives or in this world. But there's coming a day when the fullness of our redemption, the fullness of our adoption will consummate. Will consummate in, in the fullness of glory in the presence of God. This is what we long for. And just like there, Christ came in the fullness of time, there is coming a day when we will experience the fullness of glory in the presence of our God. Romans 5 verse 2. There is a now and not yet reality to our hope. There is a now and not yet reality to our redemption and our adoption. There is more to come. This is just a small snippet of what awaits God's redeemed. Through him, listen to the now. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. Isn't it something? It doesn't matter how powerful you are. There are always someone in your family that has direct access to you. I told the story before. I was in training the elders and we were in the midst of a discussion and the door opens up behind me and Pastor Jeff over there, he can look right serious when he wants to. And, and he looked up and went in his eyes to see who it was. And his demeanor immediately changed. For it was Mary Claire, his daughter, that entered into the room. And guess what? She has access directly into that. We stopped what we were doing. She, she, he dealt with his daughter and then she left. And he, we went back to our training. This is what it's saying. Christ has purchased to you Access by faith into this grace. And this is what we are currently now. We, have, we all have been standing in it and we are to stand in it. And we rejoice. Look, there's a not yet coming to. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 
And I know, brothers and sisters, that many of you have went through many losses and crosses this year. Many of you have went through the purifying fire that God takes through all those He loves. This present and hard sacrificial kingdom labor is working for us an eternal weight of glory in the presence of the Lamb and in the presence of our Father. God has promised that to us. And it will happen in the fullness of time. Galatians 5.5 says, For through the Spirit by faith we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Where is your confidence this morning? Where is your hope? Where is your joy? This Christmas season, my prayer is that 2 Corinthians 4, 6 is your testimony. For it must have been your testimony that there was a point in time in my life where there was a darkness in my soul. It was there. Maybe other people that was outside of you did not know it, but you did. There was no hope. There was no joy. It was there. I believed what I believed in my head, but in my reality, in my soul, it wasn't true. And then the very creator, the one that said, let there be light. Look at what happens. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us what? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ in him alone. Prayer is this is our testimony today. And that with God's people, yes, through the hardness of life, we can get disoriented. We can sometimes forget who we are, but this morning can we not stir ourselves up that this is not an emotion, this is true. God had entered into time and space. He lived a life that you could not live. He stood in your place and He took the wrath of God so that we might be not only redeemed, but adopted into the family of God and given sure promises that everything that happens in the life of a believer will work out for His good and an eternal weight of glory that we will experience in the presence of God and His Son and all of God's redeemed. This is something to rejoice with. This is where our promise lies. What will be our response to God's gift of His only Son? I say we celebrate it. It's finished. Our sin forgiven, our shame gone, our chains broken. Brothers and sisters, we are free. We are free to be His. Brothers and sisters, let us stir each other up in love and affection and good works for the glory of God. For this is not heaven. This is the day that God has given us. Will you live a full life? I'm going to say this as I close. I'm so thankful for you to be your pastor. I experienced, and you ought to hang around for a minute after this, because it will generally be students who break down this right here. Come back later in the week, and you'll see people in their 70s serving all over this church. 
What is that? 